Weirdlings to another Mysteriously Morbid Monday with your girls from Two Weird Mom, Amanda and Carissa. This is a very special Mysteriously Morbid Monday. Do you want to know why? Why? Because it's your birthday. Oh, happy <laughs> birthday. Thanks. <laughs> 33 sucks. <laughs> Welcome back, our witches, bitches, and weirdlings. Hey, guys. I literally had a brain fart just now. Sorry. We are here, and we are queer. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. It's going to be one of those nights. It's actually the daytime. Well, see, there you go. I'm already. It is. We are doing this on Sunday. Oh, you looked confused. I I was confused. confused. (laughs) Anyways, I wanted to bring up our, from our last episode, or excuse me, our last weirdest episode on Wednesday. I had stated that Abraham Lincoln was half African American and that it was a conspiracy theory, which it is not a conspiracy theory. It is actually proven fact. Seriously? Yes. They did a hair sample and it was found that his heritage is african-american descent oh that's awesome yeah mama has some explaining to do go mama there was also letters that were found from his mother i believe her name is nancy I'm pretty sure, right? Girl, I don't know. Guys, don't, I'm sorry, don't quote me on that. She convinced her husband that it was his child, but it really wasn't. It was actually her lover, a slave that worked on their farm named Amos. Amos. E-M-I-S. Yeah. So she liked that chuck a lot. Huh. Don't we all? (laughs) Yeah. Well, not all of us don't. I mean, there's some people that are racist out there, you know? We are not them. No, we're not. But I just wanted to state that because I said it wrong in the previous recording. My mysteriously morbid mum day episode episode lucky number seven what is it is going to be brought to you by an unbelievable story of an insanely weird and very creepy small town in new jersey's revenge on a triple murderer oh that's that's a mouthful that sounds awesome yes really good i'm excited to hear it because i have not heard it yet very mysteriously morbid (laughs) i'm super excited okay antoine leblanc leblanc was a french-speaking german immigrant said witness for the prosecution in his trial john fuser mr fuser resided in new york city and had kept a boarding house on 75 fulton street on april 26 1833 antoine would arrive by a steamboat for just 75 cents That's it? Yep. So his cost to come into America in 1833 was 75 cents. Oh, could you imagine all the places I could go if it was still 75 cents? (laughs) We would be traveling. We'd be world travelers. I'm like, girl, let's go I would be everywhere. Yes. Saving all my cents. Nickels and diamonds. That's what I'm saying. After he strolled into NYC on a steamboat for just 75 (laughs) centeroonies. He would go to Mr. Fuser's boarding house and would stay at the boarding house for three days. Also, Antoine would be known as a prisoner from now on because that is what he is referred to throughout his trial, and I loved it. All right. Away we go back to AD 1833. Let's do it, guys. (laughs) Judge Samuel Sayer would call John at his house in a quest to find anyone who understood farming to work for him. That's when John made the unfortunate decision that would change the fate of the Sayer family and Phoebe forever. John introduces the prisoner to Mr. Sayer, Judge Samuel Sayer, then held an interview with the prisoner for the position at his farm. During the interview, Mr. Sayer bargained with 
the prisoner to go on basically a trial run first before settling terms on a more permanent position with the family. Judge Samuel Sayer then would go out of town the next day. So the following day, the prisoner would receive a call from Paul Piper. Paul Piper? I thought that was such a great name. That is a really good name. I like that. Paul Piper coming at you. Paul was the stage driver who, on behalf of Mr. Sayer, was to come pick up the prisoner and bring him back to the family home. Paul paid the prisoner's debts in the amount of 75 cents. So Paul Piper is really the paying Piper because he fronted the money for the judge who then later paid him back. Mike had a good heart. Yeah, I love his name too. Right? Isn't that awesome? Some of these names are like like bomb.com. I love them. Paul Piper. Paul would then drive the prisoner to Morristown Stage from Elizabethtown Point. He dropped the prisoner off at the Sayer home. The home was located on South Street. Fun fact, the Sayer house was a commerce bank in 2008 after they knocked down what it used to be prior, and that was Jimmy's Pond, a restaurant that occupied the house. Cool. The beautiful house was built in 1749 by John Sayer. Pictures of the house, Antoine, and more will be provided on our Instagram page, so please check it out. Like, follow, tell your friends. It is Two Wear Moms. Sorry, I had to just squeeze that in there. I liked it. Now back to it, Weirdlins. I'm super into this story right now. Thank you. I hope everyone else is too. If they're not, they're crazy. He would work for the Sayer family on their farm and basically was their little bitch boy. Even (laughs) Phoebe, the servant slash slave, they say in disguise, would even get to tell the prisoner what to do. So you know that probably weighed on him heavy. Oh, I'm sure. Because I did read somewhere, but I didn't want to put it in here. But I did read that he did come from a very prominent family in um, in Germany. Oh, okay. Yeah. So probably coming from that yeah, like, to yeah being told what to do by a slave is kind of like a slap in his face yeah your pride goes down a little bit mm-hmm. especially a man mm-hmm. so according to Mr. Samuel Stamborough prisoner was hired for garden work and pulling brush Mr. Samuel it Mr. Stanborough worked alongside the prisoner, the judge, day in and day out. Mm-hmm. Samuel and the prisoner slept in the Cyrus family cellar, so he they would stay there in this like they lived in the family home with the family, right, in the basement. Okay. Mr. Stanborough at first stayed in the same room as the prisoner, but changed his room quickly because he had an intense disgust and dislike for the prisoner because of the prisoner's uncleanly and annoying living habits. Mr. Stanborough separated himself with, from the prisoner with a padlock and chain for the door to his room so the prisoner would not gain access to his things or room. According to Mr. Stanborough, the prisoner was treated very kindly by the Sire family, even having meals prepared by Phoebe in the Sire family home. Like breakfast. I mean, basically treat their workers like like family. family. And they would have breakfast together and then go and work. Okay, sounds like a pretty sweet deal. Yeah, he would work for the family and in return, that's what he was given, like free room and board. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I'll do that. Sign me up. I mean, I don't think that's a bad gig. No. Samuel worked and lived for the Sayers up until Saturdays. Saturdays is when he would go and visit his own home to see his family that lived about seven miles from the Sayers home. I don't know if I could work and live someplace and then go home to my family. Right. And only see them the weekend. No. Props to whoever does that or whoever has that schedule. I give all everyone that is away from their family for long periods of time props because that does suck. 
This immigrant, only in America three days, barely knowing any English, landed himself a job with a very respected and wealthy family, Judge Samuel Sayer. Because, you know, back then, a woman wasn't her own fucking person, and she basically was her husband's property. Just creeping it real, guys. Yep, that is true. Because in these documents, they literally do not say her name. They say, like, his wife. Her name is Sarah. Just irked me. I just wanted to make a statement. didn't have any rights. Yeah, not in 1833. Hell to the motherfucking nah. But fuck that. Mrs. Sarah Sayer lived at the home slash farm with their daughter Miss Mary Sayer. Miss Mary Sayer was the eldest daughter of the Sayers. Phoebe was the basically assistant to the judge and his wife. Did everything from cooking, cleaning to running errands for the family. She also lived in the Sayer family home. She lived in the garret, aka the attic. Really? Mm-hmm. That's what they called the attic? Garret. I didn't know garret. that. I may be saying it a little wrong, but you know, it's G A R R E T. No, I think you're saying it right, and I never heard of that. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Another little fun fact for you guys. <laughs> I'm loving the fun fact. Just like Mr. Stanborough, Phoebe also had her own family that lived in another home in town that she stayed and visited sometimes. Phoebe's brother, Martin, also worked for the family, but had ran away about a week prior to the prisoner getting to the fa- Sire family farm. I wonder why he ran away. I'll tell you right now. Yay! It was stated by Mr. Stanborough that Martin was treated somewhat like a slave. And Mary, the daughter, stated also that the relationship wasn't a bad one between Mr. Sayer and Martin. It's just that when Martin would be disobedient and Mr. Sayer dies, he would want to punish him. Oh, I gotcha. Okay. So he was kind of stern. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like they were bad people. I feel like that they treated their workers somewhat respectfully, but they still were workers. Right. So they didn't treat them like complete trash. Like they were animals, but they didn't. Yeah. yeah, I got what you're saying. That's why he got the fuck out of there. He said, fuck all the bullshit. Miss Mary Sayer leaves the family home in the beginning of May, heading to Newtown in the county of Sussex. Mm-hmm. Leaving Mr. and Mrs. Sayer along with Phoebe alone in the house with the prisoner. On the late evening of Saturday, May 11th, 1833. The prisoner would go down to Lou's Hotel, which is a 20-minute walk from the Sayer family home. Neighbors of the Sayers would put him there around 9 and then have him leaving Lou's around about half past 9. Okay. After being seen by several eyewitnesses at the local hotel's bar, having a brandy and a cigar, dressed in a dark vest and dark pantaloons. <laughs> I love how they say I pantaloons. I love that they say pantaloons. I think we should then. say that for now on. I think we should bring it back. I feel like that too. I literally said that to James when I was doing the research for this. I'm like, yo, they say pantaloons. We're bringing it back. Two more moms are bringing back pantalones. Yes. Fucking love it so much. But he would look very odd and was acting weird according to all the witnesses Mm -hmm. who saw him there. Back at the Sayer home, Mr. and Mrs. Sayer are in their home relaxing. Mr. Sayer is reading a book via candlelight and Mrs. Sayer is enjoying her husband's company. And Phoebe would lie asleep in her room, probably fucking exhausted from her day. Could you imagine? Working like like that. They work from time they got up, time they went to sleep. Nah, I don't even want to do an eight-hour shift, girl. Right. I am so tired after that. I'm dead. <laughs> Legit. I'm like, I'm going to go to the gym today. 
Psych. <laughs> nah, nah, not, not today. <laughs> the prisoner arrives at the house and has decided that he has had enough of the lifestyle he has endured while living there in the basement and being told basically what to do by everyone. The prisoner lures Mr. Sayer somehow out to the stable. He attacks Mr. Sayer and the struggle occurs. He hits Mr. Sayer in the back of the head with a club, knocking the judge out. The prisoner then flips Mr. Sayer over and continuously bashes him in the face, breaking his nose and part of his forehead had been broken oh my God. poor mr sayer face was so badly beaten that it was like all the bones in his face were shattered oh my god it caused his brain and blood to drip out of his nostrils a small portion of his own brains would be gathered like on his chest oh my god from sitting there in land yeah that's disgusting Crazy, right? It was the blows to his face with the club that would kill Mr. Judge Sayer. After killing Mr. Sayer, the prisoner moved his focus onto poor Sarah Sayer, puts on her bonnet, and goes to the stable yard to see what the prisoner wanted. She approaches. She is hit over the head just like her dear husband seconds beforehand. He then too bashing her face and forehead in as well. She suffered the same ending as her husband she loved dearly. Unfortunately, the prisoner must have not liked Sarah or she may have reminded him of someone he disliked very much or I just don't know why. But poor Mrs. Sayer would succumb to way more wounds than her husband. She suffer- suffered more blows to the back of the head than him. Forehead and cheek up to her eye would then get a hatchet to it after <gasps> being beaten in beyond recognition. Oh my god, what the hell? Yeah, crazy, right? Uh, yeah. That's insane. I just what can't, like, hell? he definitely, this is not your first rodeo. Oh, I, don't I feel doubt like it. Like, how do you just fucking just bash How people's... crazy would it be if he escaped Germany because he murdered people there? You may be onto something. That's insane. But, like, what the fuck in the shit, LeBlanc? What a fucking horrid human being he is. How do you just randomly kill someone that offered to help you a fucking start like a life in a new country? It's just fucking disgraceful. I can't fathom that at all. That's and the way that you did it, Brutal. that is hatred right there. You really have to like despise someone to just beat him to death like that. And then for him to hit her in the face with a hatchet after? The hell? She would suffer a lot more wounds than That's he did. That's like overkill. Mhm. That's insane. Yeah. So after brutally murdering the judge and his wife, Sarah, he decides to even be more disrespectful and would then drag them to a pile of dung and bury them in it. He buried them in poo. Yeah, it is said to when they were found by the doctors and they did an, like when they were found at the crime scene that because it had rain, Mm -hmm. it like they had streaks of poo on their face. What the hell? Yeah. Like to be even more disrespectful on top of that, like someone let you in their fucking home, open their doors to you and hearts and arms, like you know what I mean? Like, they did that, and you fucking did that? Yeah, bashed their face in and then buried him in poo. Legit. That's, just like that. Jesus. That's, I can't, I don't even have words to say. Like, why bury him in poop? They had, um, well, it's a farm. Well, yeah, I get that. So they but... had a, a bit to conceal them, I think. I don't think he was trying to be, like, disrespectful, but it is disrespectful. You're burying him in, like, cow poo. Yeah, but they had it on there because of the farm. Oh. And they used it to plant and shit. No pun intended. <laughs> oh, yeah, I didn't mean that. He's a piece of shit, though. That he is. After burying them, he would go over the murder scene and cover it with plaster. Plaster they used to farm with as well. Okay. And, like, for corn and potatoes. So he did that to conceal all of the blood okay. and hide them. The prisoner then makes his way into the house via the kitchen door. How he has plenty of times before for breakfast with the blended family since coming to America. He makes his way up to the garret, aka the attic, where poor Phoebe 
which I want to say, they say, they spell her name P-H-E-B-E. Fucking love that shit. Yeah, Sorry. I do too. Fee. Right? So cute. Fee. That is mm-hmm. adorable. So poor Phoebe is fast asleep in her bed. She lie there with her right hand under her head, dreaming of whatever her heart desired. The prisoner then would come up to Phoebe's head and stab her in the temple with the hatchet. What? Yeah. The hell? At least it was, like, quick. I feel like that that would, like, she was instant. What the f- Why? I, I, why all this? I don't understand. I don't either. Like, I don't get it. He just fucking snapped. Although that, did he, or was he like that originally? He I just think hit it concealed I'm it very well. I'm just thinking that and he's a He murderer. just got tired of it and snapped. I've, yeah, I agree. I agree with him, like, maybe he was running something from Germany. Yeah, I think he might have. There was, like, there had been, like, somewhere where it stated that he was, had a lover, Mm -hmm. a fiancé in Germany, Germany, but I didn't really see any proof of that, but that's what was said. But I don't know. I didn't find nothing really on that. So, back to poor Phoebe. Mm -hmm. Although... That would have, like I said, killed her instantly. That wasn't enough for this twisted fuck. This shitty human then decided to bash her skull in and face, just like her own blubber of brains and blood would gather on her bed. He covers Phoebe with a buffalo skin to conceal her body. He then takes a couple hours to completely destroy the Sire family home with the goal of robbing them of all their riches. After getting himself a nice size like a couple size nice size bundles mm-hmm. of all their ship. He saddles up Mr. Thayer's favorite beast, Archibald Thayer's, is actually what who is the one that said that that was his favorite horse. Oh, Archibald. Archibald. How cute of a name is that? I just thought it was so cute. I did. I, it's literally like real funky, but I'm feeling. If I it. ever get a dog, I'm naming him that Archibald. Yes. Oh God. Come here, Archie. Yeah, little Archie. Oh, my God, that's cute. So, Mr. Sayers' favorite horse was a gray horse, and that would he would ride that poor thing so hard that the horse falls to the ground, and they tumble, and the horse is like, I'm out, son. Fuck you. And is gone. Good. The prisoner does not catch up to the horse and is now on foot. So now he's lo- he's lost some of his bundles that he got Mm -hmm. so now he just has basically a bundle that is like a stick you know like the old hobo ones oh my god yes he had one of those oh my gosh stated that he had that and he had like a little bundle with like it was strapped with like a buckle okay mary harrison a livingston resident saw the prisoner pass by her home around the time frame of 6 to 7 a.m on may 12 1833 the day after the murder Okay. Well, morning. Like I said, with his stick, suitcase, and bundle of stolen goods, like we were saying before. The prisoner would keep looking back at Mary as he continued to walk up the street, like being just such a fucking creep. Like she was watching him walk by, because, I mean, you have to realize it's 1833. Right. People don't just walk around with that early. Hobo. Like all bundled up with, like, yeah. they're moving, and yeah, it just was very odd. So she was keeping her eye on him. Go girl. Fun fact, I was born in Livingston, New Jersey. 
Oh my god, that's awesome. Yes, I was born there. Lewis Freeman, who keeps the orange gate, sees the prisoner walking through the gate in the direction of north. As the prisoner is making his way through the upper part of the town of Orange, he decides to walk up to Elizabeth Harrison's house, who lives, who she lives with, Vale Harrison and William Harrison. It does not say whether they're married, related, who they are to her. They just say they live together. Okay. They were starting their day, just like everyone else in Orange that day, but they would get a very weird interaction with the prisoner. This mofo walks into their house and is wanting breakfast. A scared shitless, Elizabeth complies with this stranger's request, even though she does not run a public house. He just walks up in there and says, I want breakfast. Yes. That's what we do. He just walked up to this house and was like, can I get some breakfast? And she had later stated in the court when she testified that she didn't know what enticed him to come to her house. She did not know what made that man come to her house, but it happened. That's it. Crazy. Crazy, right? And after the prisoner is done with her food, his breakfast, he bids her 10 cents and carries on his way. Huh. Okay. At least she got 10 cents out of it, right? I mean, back then, he 10 could have cents killed her. Like, yeah, that's true. She's very lucky. They all are, yeah. The prisoner would then make his way to a halfway house where he would grab a brandy and a cigar in the corner facing the entrance. That's when Nathan B. Luce, yes, the owner of the Luce Hotel, who like everyone else in the other towns, were looking for the murderer, would walk in and apprehend the prisoner. The prisoner didn't try to escape or resist arrest. While this capture of the triple murderer is taking place, towns over in Morristown, all of the Sire neighbors would come out to find in the road of in front of their homes is all of the Sire family belongings, clothes, jewelry, bags, wigs, etc. Everything that they owned was just everywhere. Oh my god. The prisoner had dropped these as he rode away from his crime scene, literally leaving a trail behind him, basically leading them to find him through the town. He left a fucking breadcrumb trail of fucking clothes and other what an bullshit. Idiot. Yeah, he was not so very smart in some aspects. I don't think he was smart at all. True, true, true. Dum dum. <laughs> With your pantalones. <laughs> they're black velvet pantalones. They're velvet? Black velvet. The reason what why they're black velvet. <laughs> rest in peace. <laughs> yes, rest in peace, Prince. The reason why they said black velvet and it's very precise on that is because back then they did not sell that in our country. That was a German thing. Oh. Overseas clothing. Fun fact for you. I'm just full of fun facts I know, over here. I'm loving it. Keep them coming. You're welcome, girl. You're welcome. I love it. This is where the, the Sayers neighbors would get curious as to what is actually going on the fuck on in their neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So they head to the, the Sayers um, because as they're picking up their clothing, they're realizing that on their clothing is like they have, you know, back then when they would stamp their clothing with their names. Right. So all of their, all of the belongings had the Sayers. So they knew exactly who it was. The neighbors would, after some searching of the Sayers property, would find the bodies of Mr. and Mrs. Sayers and poor Phoebe upstairs in her room. Oh my God. Yeah. Can you imagine? Nope. They said that it was like so horrific. Phoebe scene. Like you thought that Mr. Sayers bad. I feel like he like went off on Phoebe just because all that probably pent up aggravation of her telling him what to do. Like, fuck you, bitch. You know what I mean? Type thing. Well, yeah. Plus she's female. So back then women didn't tell men what to do. True. They were obedient. Yeah. They said it was very bad scene that they couldn't some people couldn't even like they just ran out of the room his trial was held on august 13 1833 with judge ford the jury was made up of 12 men from several different townships there was a william sayers on the jury from chatham township didn't specify if he was related to the victims or not henry a ford the public prosecutor states 
that in a case depending altogether upon what is called presumptive proof, it is not to be expected that the murderer can always be traced throughout his complexity of conduct, and yet I venture to assert that three murders conceived in the breast of the prisoner alone and indacted in the gloom of the night in a most retired spot in the midst of secrecy have been completely brought to light, and the motives of the prisoner as well known and the mode of execution as well ascertained as if he himself had honestly confessed all. If after I shall prove all these circumstances, you shall refuse to convict, then let the murderer be turned forth again upon the society he has violated. Let the midnight assassin pass freely by the thrice-stained threshold of his victims, by the sanction of your verdict, but if on the contrary, these circumstances to you appear as they will appear, so well connected and so consistent as to leave no honest doubt upon your minds. The law, the community, and your oath requires that you shall find him guilty. I wish I had those little hammer things. What is it called again? Gavel? Yeah, because I would have just slammed it on the table right now. Woo, child. Like when he would, Henry knocked that shit out the motherfucking park, in my opinion. Yes, he did. I that was, was the prosecutor's opening argument during this motherfucker's trial. He, he came it. to play ball. Yeah, he did. And he knocked it out of the park. During the trial, about 40 witnesses were called to testify for the prosecution. Several being the Sayers' neighbors. They would all testify about what they discovered that rainy, muddy Sabbath morning. They all told a tale of finding a trail of clothing <laughs> of the, the Sayers' property down the road and all over their home and their farm. I mean, it was a fucking mess. Like, he just destroyed it. All of their stories would be consistent with one another's and with the evidence found at the crime scene. Court adjourned until Saturday morning, 8-17, which I thought was an interesting fact because they started on a Tuesday the 13th and stopped until Saturday. That's weird. Yeah. I wonder why they did that. Because they didn't say anywhere else in the documents that they were breaking or anything like that and they did for this and it was Saturday morning and I thought that was very weird because it's a weekend but it is 1833. Mm -hmm. So it's weird to us but not to them because the five-day work week didn't begin until 1929. Oh shit. So they didn't have weekends in 1833. Oh hell no. They literally worked all the time. The Factory Act in that happened in 1833, banned children under nine from working in the textile industry and the working hours of 10 to 13-year-olds was limited to 48 hours a week, while 14 to 18-year-olds were limited to 69 hours a week Get and 12-hour days. Get the hell out of here. Isn't that crazy? You know, we think we have it so bad now. Like I know, I literally wrote to think we have it hard. Oh my god. We have definitely gotten better. Yeah. I think we should still go. I think <laughs> I think we should definitely just work to live, not live to work. Oh, one thousand percent. Yes. That's where you're living the dream is where you can work I mean, live to work. No work, work to, live. to live. See, I'm all fucked up over here. I am too. It's because we we definitely live to work. Yeah, it sucks. I definitely want to just... it up. Yeah. I want to be on the other side. We'll get there one day, one day. I, I hope. don't know why I remember <laughs> I love it, But though. one day we will. Back to his trial. The only known words of the prisoner was brought forth by one of the state witnesses, a woman named Catherine Kellerneen. Huh. Kellerneen-y? K-E-L-L-E-R-N-I-E. I'm going to go with what you... Killer Nini? Yeah, I believe so. All right, Catherine. (laughs) Keep it short and simple. (laughs) 
short and sweet, who lives at Mr. Drake's, which I don't know who that is because he wasn't in the records and wasn't a witness and was nowhere on, rec- like, anywhere. Mm-hmm. But I'm assuming that it's because he lived in the halfway house. She stated she never seen the prisoner before the night of his arrest. Catherine asked the prisoner in German what he had been doing. The prisoner responded that when he left home, he he said he wanted $5 and he could not get it. That when he came home about 11 o'clock, he could not find anybody around the house. That he had went upstairs and saw the black girl in the bed dying. And the sight scared him so that he went down to the cellar, gathered all his clothes, and he said he took six shirts, one watch, Mr. Sire's hat, and a frock coat. Then went to the stable and took out the gray horse and ran away. He said he rode the horse so hard that he the horse fell down and he too, and that he could not catch him again. When the court required Catherine to say the same story to the prisoner in German, the prisoner disputed with her in her own language, German. In court documents, it states a somewhat ludicrous conversation ensued. Mm -hmm. Catherine also said that the prisoner inquired to her that if he would die right away. She responded no. When his defense attorney cross-examined Catherine, the first thing he stated is the prisoner does not speak German. But she understood him really well. No, she had a whole fucking conversation with him in German. That It didn't make sense to me. Especially since he's... Didn't you say he's from Germany? He's a French-speaking immigrant that lived in Germany. So oh, there is a part okay. in Germany, I guess, like, they sp- spoke French there. You're not going to tell me that he didn't live in Germany and didn't know German. Oh, no, I guarantee. He was definitely bilingual. Yeah. I, like, I feel like she had a conversation with him. So, yeah, maybe he wasn't so suave in German, but mm. I believe that he was able to hold a conversation to get that much information. How right. would she, like, she wouldn't have known. Mean? The prisoner would interrupt the cross-examination by asking Catherine if she was sure the coat he had on in court was the same he seen when she w- when he was arrested. She would reply angrily in the affirmative. He would thrust his face forward toward her and call her Un Chining. Un Chining. I may be saying that a little messed up, but Un Chining, and it means a bitch. Oh shit! In French. Us, we're learning French up in here, guys. <laughs> Again, worldly, but yeah. So he calls her a bitch in court. Oh, he's such a nice guy. Seems like it. Witness for the prosecution, David Morehouse, who resided in Livingston, New Jersey, off of uh, or I'm sorry, not off of, on Turnpike Road, found the gray horse in question, mm-hmm. saddled up and bundled, looking like someone just lost their ride because there was a dry spot on the saddle because it had been raining and the other parts were wet. He had noticed that the hand on the handbill that was issued after the murders, mm-hmm. it had the same description of the horse that he had in his possession. So he then brought it into town because he, you know, put two and two together. Right. He thought that she had been rode hard is what he has said too (laughs) so haven't we all it's just funny how like everything matches up though people that normally wouldn't talk to people everything's like consistent and corroborated right complete strangers neighbors of morehouse would corroborate his story finding the tracks of the horse and even seeing the prisoner on foot walking towards north with his large bundle of stolen goods the time frame for this was around six o'clock in the morning then that's when he would make his way to the harrison's house for that lovely terrifying 10 cent breakfast The court charged the jury at 5 o'clock in a very brief and comprehensive manner. The court cautioning them to device their kind of 
prejudice and if they had a reasonable doubt to give in favor of the prisoner but at the same time reminding them of the language of the law which was that circumstantial evidence is allowed to prevail when the chain is so linked together as to admit of no doubt of being perfect. The jury then would deliberate for only 10 minutes before coming back with the verdict of guilty. The court said that they would sentence the prisoner the following day. On Thursday at 10 o'clock in the morning, Judge Ford pronounced the following sentence of the court. Antoine LeBlanc, have you of anything to speak or offer to the court why sentence of death should not be awarded against you? The prisoner, having informed by the interpreter, replied that he acknowledged the robbery but did not commit the murder. The court proceeded, Antoine LeBlanc, you stand convicted of the murder of Samuel Sayers, wife and family. So poor Phoebe and Sarah don't even get no their name brought up in the damn court system. Ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Sarah Sayers and Phoebe as well. Sad that we don't know her last name. Just thought they should be respected the same as Samuel Sire. I agree. Wherefore, it is considered and ordered by the court that you need detained in the jail of the county of Morris in safe and secure custody until Friday the 6th of September next. And that you be taken from the said jail in the day to a place of execution and then between the hours of 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. that you be hung by the neck till you are dead. It is further considered by the court that after the execution is done, your body be delivered to Dr. J.W. Camfeld, a surgeon, and also the man who assisted with the autopsies of the deceased for dissection. Oh my god. So they're going to dissect him? Yes. They are. He was. His body was given to those doctors in the name of science. And may God have mercy upon your soul. The interpreter repeated the pris- to the prisoner what the judge had sentenced. His response to the first is to request that he is allowed to switch his cell because the one that he is in now is damp. The court denied and stated that it might endanger the prisoner if they moved him. The prisoner denied being guilty of the murder until the sentence of death was passed upon him, which he which alarmed him to that degree, and knowing he was guilty and his own conscience condemning him, he confessed he was guilty of the murder of Mr. Sayers' family, excuse me, Sarah and Phoebe, mm-hmm. and other crimes before he came to this country, and wished death immediately for the same, and begged the judge to give the orders to the sheriff to take him from court to the place of execution and hang him before he entered the prison again, and not to delay any time, for he has been guilty of many crimes from my youth up to the present and he had no hope of finding any mercy from God when I look back on my past life and I would not take any advice from my parents nor no one in my youthful days therefore I am justly condemned by the laws of God and man to die and after death the judgment from him that cannot look upon sin with the last allowance the judge then said he must go back to the prison and await till Friday September 6th to be hung if you didn't think this case could get any more crazier. Antoine LeBlanc's execution day brought nearly 12,000 spectators to the Morristown Village Green. Oh my god. 12,000 people came to watch him die. Mostly women. A lot of unchins there, huh? But um, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> A lot of unchins. Un. Or hold on, hold on. Unchin. Unchin. <laughs> that is how you pr- pronounce it correctly. But yeah, a lot of bitches showing up that day. Oh, I'd be right there. To say, whoop. Fuck you, Antoine. Woo. Fuck you. Hang and that insane that they used to do public executions back then. Yeah. 
That's crazy. I don't... And people, like, came there like it was football. Super Bowl! Oh, seriously. Hanging out at the gallows. Yep. That's crazy. I don't think I could watch someone die. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I couldn't. I watched with Games of Thrones, they really, like, you know, a lot of shows like that. They're really graphic and their detail of murders and stuff and wars and fighting scenes. And I can barely get through that. So I couldn't imagine seeing the real thing in real life. No. And, but 12,000 mostly females came to this small town and their population of that town was only 2,500. Oh, God. So they, it was chaotic that day. Like there was, it was just people every. Could you imagine being the person that's getting executed and you look around, you have all these people like wanting to watch you die. Like you were hated. Probably in his mind though, and their narcissistic minds, they don't give a fuck because they're like, look at this. They came to see me. They'll twist it in their own twisted fucking heads. There's a lot of narcissists. Like, I didn't realize how common that is. How common that truly is. But it really is. Yeah. It's amazing. It's crazy. And some of us just attract them. (laughs) Like a moth to a flame. I'm telling you. The courts even made a new special gallo for Antoine. They made a special gallo. Yes. Where instead of the prisoner being hung in the floor, dropping beneath him and them just shooting down right. and snapping their neck, it would instead shoot Antoine in the air straight forward. And this happened, and it went about eight feet high. His body would then twitch for about two minutes and then went limp. Antoine's American dream was over in within six months of getting here in his life. Oh, my. Crazy, right? See? Six months That's- of being in America, and he fucks it up so bad, and he's not from Mexico. <laughs> Sorry. Is that like a Trump? Is that like a hit at Trump? A, I wasn't making like any. In, in, I'm just saying he was an immigrant. And he killed people. A freaking judge. Well-respected judge in his family. And he was not Mexican. He came here via boat. Steamboat. I know. Or is that like a jab at Trump? It's possible. Yeah, I was just wondering. <laughs> I was just wondering. It's okay to wonder. We're going to leave that. We'll leave it alone. Yep. No comment on and anything we'll, else to we'll do just with. steamroll over that. After his execution, he would be brought to Dr. Canfield's office that was literally across the street. Okay. From the green. It's like, that's what they called it. Uh-huh. This is where the revenge comes into play. Mm. In Canfield's office, they would perform some unorthodox medical experiments on Antoine's body. This man's corpse would be hooked up to a battery to prove a prevailing theory of the time which linked electrical current and muscular motor impulses. Although they were not able to resurrect the prisoner from the dead, they reportedly seen his eyes roll around in his head following the electrical shock therapy on his corpse. After they were done with their experiments on LeBlanc, they would give him a death mask, which I know killing and shit is terrible but i do think that death masks or like casted the ones that are casted in plaster mm-hmm. are pretty morbidly awesome i agree in, in my opinion i, I just think they're really kind of cool put this out there when i die i definitely want a death mask made can you still do that i don't see why not i feel like i don't know i feel like you would have to let's look into that and see if you could actually still get a death mask to this day all they have to do is put plaster on my face i know but who's to say that there's not some law or you know what i mean this is true but like desecrating a corpse or something well if i give them permission prior we'll see we should look that up but i think they're all really cool i want to do it let's 
Do it. Death mask for everyone. You get a death mask. You get a death mask. Everybody gets a death mask. (laughs) (laughs) So after his death mask, he is then sliced like a Thanksgiving turkey. Ooh. Antoine LeBlanc's skin was skinned from his bones and then shipped off to Atno Tannery on Washington Street in Morristown to be fashioned into little murder keepskins for the town. A large number of purses, wallets, lampshades, and book jackets were made from LeBlanc's hair follicle-studded covered hide. Oh my, that's gross. Strips of LeBlanc's skin was also sold on the streets as well. Each one personally signed by the Honorable Sheriff George Ludow, Ludlow, 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 sorry, to verify its authenticity authenticity so he was just autographing this guy's skin legit what the fuck just signing away his tanned skin gross and he was to say it was said that he had a dark complexion so maybe they just wanted him to have his original skin tone because he was dead i don't know i don't they tan it though so it doesn't rot that could be the real reason i'm just saying i don't know because they did say he was dark but that could be why they tanned it, so it wouldn't go run. That oh. is friggin' morbid. That is disgusting. Isn't that crazy? People bought it too, didn't they? Yeah. The horrid little keepskins and souvenirs reportedly found their way into many respectable Morristown homes, where it is said many still remain to this day, according to WeirdNewJersey.com. What? And that is our Mysteriously Morbid Monday, Carissa's birthday edition. (laughs) Happy birthday, girl. Thanks, boo. But that is my story for this Mysteriously Morbid, our Mysteriously Morbid Monday. I loved it. That was really good. Thanks. That's crazy. crazy. It is crazy. that they, And that's why we named it Morristown's Little Keep Skins. You get it? But I'm keep funny, girl. Or try. That was really good. Thanks. My mouth was open the whole time. Like you were talking, because I'm like, oh my god, that's insane. It just felt like it got better and then better, and like it was just like crazier and crazier and crazier. It's just weird that these people probably passed down these little keep skins from generation to generation. Like how how crazy is that? Weird New Jersey. I love them. By the way, yes, we love. I love, 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 love. They had on their site this story, which we will put the link in on our website. In the description of the episodes, um, that is twoweirdmoms.com, you can find the article from Weird New Jersey. And they literally actually went and had a meeting with the guy that had the death mask and everything. Yeah. That's insane. Crazy, right? That's I would so love to see that. cool that they got to see that like in person. I would have loved to see that. Well, I'll have some of their pictures as well on our Instagram. So if you could, please hit that follow and like button and share with your friends. You can find us on, like I said, Instagram. The Facebook. And the Twitter. And that is to wear moms. And that's my story, guys. I loved it. Thanks, boo. I hope that you guys enjoyed it. And we hope that you guys are enjoying our new mics as well. Yes. And that they're doing superb job for you. And if it does not sound good, please let us know. If we mess up, we do apologize. We don't claim to be perfect. We're not journalists. We are just doing this for fun. Because we love talking about shit like this that is weird. And we thought, 
Let's get a whole little family of weirdlings. Oh, that's cute. Yes, I love weirdlings. So thank you for joining us. And tune in soon for our Terrifying Tales Thursday. Brought to you by me. Yes. Oh, it's my turn. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I love how you're looking at me like, I'm the, nah, this is mine. You're next. I'm next, guys. So we hope that you enjoy me and Amanda telling our stories, our favorite little cases that we find to each other. And will it, it will be a, it will a be. Christmas story. Yep. So. Because, you know, Christmas' favorite color is red. And it's all about red with this one. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> That's a wrap. And we will greet you later. later.